Pour out your spirit upon us, O God. With your word, enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we might live in hope through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The first reading this morning is Psalm 127. I'm going to be reading from the Common English Bible Version. This is a pilgrimage song of Solomon. Unless it is the Lord who builds the house, the builder's work is pointless. Unless it is the Lord who protects the city, the guard on duty is pointless. It is pointless that you get up early and stay up late, eating the bread of hard labor, because God gives sleep to those he loves. No doubt about it, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a divine reward. The children born when one is young are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. The person who fills a quiver full with them is truly happy. They won't be ashamed when arguing with their enemies in the gate. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading this morning is from the Old Testament book of Ruth, one of only two books in the Bible that are named after women. Instead of reading the scripture text from the first chapter, as you will see printed up there so carefully, um, I have changed what I am doing and will be reading from uh, chapters 3 and 4, but go ahead and scan these verses from the first chapter because they introduce us to Ruth the Moabite and the relationship with her mother-in-law. We will pick up their story a little later when they have already traveled to Bethlehem. Listen for the word of God. Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, I need to seek some security for you so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman Boaz, with whose young women you have been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, and then go uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Ruth said to her, All that you tell me, I will do. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. And then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next of kin. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. 
for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. And then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed, and he became the father of Jesse, the father of David. This is the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. Thanks be to God. Thomas Merton was a priest, an author, and a Trappist monk, a member of the Gethsemane community in Kentucky. And he tells the story of a time that he had to travel into Louisville in order to make a doctor's appointment. And he writes of that time. In Louisville, at the corner of Fourth and Walnut, at the center of the shopping district, I was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all those people, that they were mine and I was theirs, that we could not be alien to one another, even though we were total strangers. And then he went on to say, It was like waking from a dream of separateness. And I suppose my happiness could have taken form in the words, thank God. Thank God that I am like other men and women. I am only a man among others. I think of that conviction this morning when we honor All Saints Day and, and the saints in our midst and realize that from the very beginning, God has been about the job of people-making. That's his primary and fundamental focus. Uh, now, there's people-making through... Abraham and Sarah, who were promised descendants as many as the stars, the one, um, the one by one step, uh, the dramatic and miraculous enterprise of human conception and birth. People making is just a miracle in itself. But God's agenda seems larger than that. It's not just to make people, but it is people-making in order to make community, God-to-human community, human-to-human community, because we aren't strangers. We aren't aliens to one another. So there's people-making through grafting together an assortment of peoples, Israelite and Gentile, ordinary people like Ruth, like you and me, until we're part of the same family tree. We're part of the same family of God. Uh, One of the most unusual biblical stories about this family of faith that we're part of is the one that we read and hear in the book of Ruth. 
Um, I hope sometime, maybe this week, you get a chance to sit down and read it all the way through because it is very short. But you get more of the flavor of this family that is created under such unusual circumstances. Ruth, of course, is most famous for those verses from chapter 1 that we hear read and sung usually at weddings. Entreat me not to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go I will go, and where you lodge I will lodge, and your people shall be my people, and your God my God, and where you die I will die and there will I be buried. Now, Ruth spoke those words to her mother-in-law. We've adopted them of the essence of loyalty and faithfulness in marriage, but they embrace a much wider concept. Uh, the, The story about Ruth, it begins when Naomi and her husband and two sons leave Bethlehem, and travel to Moab. They, they end up in Moab because they're refugees. Now, no one wants to go on, on to Moab. Uh, it's not your vacation spot of choice. Moab is uh, known as being an evil place, a place of immorality. But the people in Bethlehem were suffering a famine. And when people are desperate for food, They will go anywhere they can in order to survive. It's who we're created to be. And so they travel to to Moab, but but bad things seem to travel with this family because uh, before too long, uh, Naomi's husband has died. Uh, Her two sons... Uh, she would have liked them to marry uh, girls from their own people, from the Israel people. But no, they, they marry these Gentile girls from Moab, these local girls. And they're married, and then 10 years later, the sons die, and they've had no children. And that leaves these three women so vulnerable, because not only do they not have Um, uh, a male there to uh, earn a living and provide for them and to take care of them as they age. But they don't have any validity in this society without being under the protection of uh, the head uh, of the house, a man who's going to make sure that they're cared for. And so Naomi decides to do the only thing that she can think of to do, and that is to go back to Bethlehem and hope that a member of her family will uh, take her under his wing. Now, Naomi's daughters have a better chance. They're still young enough they can get remarried. Uh, so, So she encourages them to do the same thing. Go back to your families. Go on back to your families. You're young, you'll be able to get married. And Orpah, she does that. But Ruth disobeys her. And I think that word is interesting, but in those days, the mother-in-law would have had the authority in that household once her husband died. And 
uh, and Ruth literally disobeys her. And it's that boldness, it's that determination, uh, it's even that disobedience for the sake of a better way that uh, makes Ruth, endears her to us because she's determined to stay with her mother-in-law and make sure that she's cared for and not alone. So she travels with her mother-in-law back to Bethlehem. And once there, Ruth, uh, with, with some guidance from Naomi, uh, is, is able to work her way into connections there. Uh, Naomi takes them to the area where Boaz is farming. And he has workers out in the field gathering the harvest. And, uh, and Ruth engineers a way to talk to Boaz and ask his permission to walk behind his workers and pick up what they leave, what they drop, what they don't spot. And that way to have some grain, a meager amount of grain to use to feed uh, Naomi and herself. Now, she wouldn't have needed to do that because aliens and, and immigrants, they, they had the right to do that. That was, uh, that was natural. But because she gets to talk to Boaz, because we notice that their conversation is curiously longer than men and women would have uh, usually spoken to each other, because some of the words have double meanings, we can tell that there's the beginning of a courtship there. Uh, Boaz grants her privileges of water and grain, and later, at Naomi's encouragement, Ruth lays down at Boaz's feet and awaits an invitation to share his bed and to share his life. That's our story. But that's not all. You know, here is this woman who has made a legitimate place for herself in a strange land as a person coming from an undesirable place. But this woman becomes the grandmother to King David, who was born to be a king. It's amazing that even Israel's greatest king, is descended from a poor, vulnerable woman from a despised foreign nation. But before we make this a happily ever after kind of story, you know, a, a wonderful story of a family and this son that is born, um, uh, and, uh, and then a king is born, uh, there's more to it. While Ruth does marry Boaz, she isn't, she isn't revered because of her fine qualities or her faithfulness to her mother-in-law. She is revered because she gave birth to a son. Not a daughter, but a son. Uh, her mother-in-law never does show any real warmth or gratitude or devotion to her. She merely accepts it. And even at the end of the story, Ruth is always identified not as Ruth, wife of, uh, of Boaz or mother of Obed, 
but as Ruth the Moabite. She's always reminded she's from that bad place. And when she finally gives birth to her son, the honor of raising him goes to Naomi. They call him Naomi's son. Ruth does the work and Naomi gets the credit. So this is no magical story of the family of faith with that happily ever after ending. This is a family of real relationships, like our families. Ups and downs, like our families. Messiness, people who aren't perfect, who, makes mista- who make mistakes. But it's also a story of a great God who works through it all. Whichever way families are created, through birth or through adoption or through friendships or through community, whatever way families are formed, it's always nothing short of miraculous. Our families are nothing short of miraculous. Um, It was miraculous that Abraham and Sarah had children at their advanced age. It's miraculous that a woman from an evil place called Moab would become the great-grandmother of a king. And more than that, she is part of the lineage of a Messiah, a Messiah we call Jesus. And it is miraculous that we have gathered here today coming from so many different places, so many different experiences to make up Covenant Presbyterian Church. And not just Covenant Presbyterian Church, right right here in this physical spot, but out there with all who join us online. Um, Your stories, like Ruth's stories, are fascinating. One of the things Don and I have so appreciated in the short time we've been here uh, is your warm welcome and your willingness to share your stories with us. They are so worth telling and retelling because in the retelling we discover the hand of God all over the events and the struggles and the joys of our lives. And what holds us together? What holds us together is the promises of God. You might say we worship a God of promises. Uh, There's the promised children, the promised land, promised food and water, promised protection, promised rainbow. They're all promises of a future. And maybe it doesn't need to be said here at Covenant Presbyterian Church, but of course, the theological word for promise is covenant. That's what it is. It's not a word we use a lot in our everyday conversations, um, but covenants are unique promises. They are unique agreements. They're different from contracts. We let our lawyers... Uh, fine-tune those contracts that are legal agreements. Um, They are the letter of the law. But covenants, they are the spirit of the law. Uh, They depend on the integrity of the parties who have entered the covenant. 
family relationships, our covenants to nurture one another, communities, our covenants to provide uh, support and protection and nurture for one another, countries, our covenants, sharing this planet takes covenants in order to take care of it. And uh, what a, when I think about covenants in, in community settings, I think of the privilege and the gratitude I feel for the opportunity to vote. There's no penalty for not voting. Uh, that's, it, it depends on the, the spirit of our covenant to motivate us to join in this important act of, uh, of sharing the responsibility to nurture all of God's people. The Jewish theologian Martin Buber has said that human beings are a promise-making, promise-keeping, promise-breaking, promise-renewing creatures. That's what we are about, all of those. It's almost uh, an ongoing process. These promises, these covenants are what create our family tree of faith. And there's leaders like Moses, there's prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah, uh, there are traitors, cheaters like Jacob and traitors like Judas. But each of them brings their gifts, their failings, all of them to be part of the drama of salvation. And all of them just like us. What makes us a family in this covenant we have with God and with one another? Uh, the truth is that we are better with each other than we are without each other. And boy, did COVID drive that at home. Even though we don't always live up to our promises, even though we miss the mark, we are still better together. We are still better for that covenant for that reaching toward that covenant. We are better for this family of faith, the church, that keeps asking us to look for this, uh, to look at the world until we see that we are not alien to one another, even though we may be strangers. We are not separate. And when we attack each other in hurtful ways, we are also attacking ourselves and the very fabric that creates a nurturing community and a nurturing world. God's promises, God's covenant that brought us here, brought us here to be about that people-making along with God. People-making as we baptize adults and children, people-making as we teach and learn, as we play and worship, uh, as we join around this table and eat together, making community as we pray for one another. Desmond Tutu said, God's dream is that you and I and all of us will realize that we're family, that we're made for togetherness, for goodness, and for compassion. We claim God's covenant 
with the prayer that we too will wake up from our dream of separateness and find that we are not alien to one another. Thank God, thank God that we are part of a miraculous tree of life. Amen.